0: Chapter 27 of McClellan's Own Story by George Brinton McClellan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mike Manalakis. Chapter 27, Part 2. July 27th. I can't tell you how glad I am that I went to see all those poor wounded men yesterday. Another batch will come tonight, and I will, if possible, go to see all of them tomorrow morning. I regard it as a duty I owe the poor fellows, rather a hard one to perform, but still one that cannot be neglected. You ask me whether I advised the president to appoint Halleck. The letter of which I sent you a copy is all that ever passed on the subject, either directly or indirectly. Not another word than is there written. We never conversed on the subject. I was never informed of his views or intentions, and even now have not been officially informed of the appointment. "'I only know it through the newspapers. "'In all these things the President and those around him "'have acted so as to make the matter as offensive as possible. "'Fitz Porter has stuck through it all, most nobly. "'He is all that I thought him, and more. "'Nothing has depressed him. "'He is always cheerful, active, and ready.'" July 28th, 9.15 a.m. "'Some 500 wounded came down last night, "'and this morning I am going out to the boats to see them.' I have collected an armful of papers to give the poor fellows. 9.30 p.m. am very tired, for I saw and talked to every one of the wounded men today, being occupied all day at it. Between the closeness of the cabins and being on my feet so long, I am quite weary. I enclose with this some lines a poor wounded fellow handed me yesterday and begged me to accept. They were written while he was lying wounded and under fire. I don't know that the poetry possesses any particular merit, but the incident is interesting. My friend was of the Hibernian persuasion. Queer fellows, those Irish are. There is a vein of humor in everything they do, even when suffering from wounds and sickness. I sometimes can hardly keep from laughing when talking with some poor fellow who is desperately wounded. So strangely and peculiarly do they describe things. I think I will go to the general hospital today and see how those Poor fellows are getting on. I am still, on my back, awaiting a decision from Washington. Burnside is still kept from me. I am getting no reinforcements, and presume that Burnside will be ordered to Washington, the first thing I know. Then I shall be in a pretty predicament, too strong to remain here and too weak to advance. PM. I hear nothing as yet from Washington, and begin to believe that they intend and hope that I and my army may melt away under the hot sun. Secesh is very quiet of late; scarcely even a cavalry skirmish. He is almost too quiet for good, and must be after some mischief. Maybe we will have a visit from Merrimack No. 2. What a row it would create among the transports. I am in hopes that I will receive orders of some kind from Washington this evening. I am getting dreadfully tired of doing nothing. I begin to feel the want of a little quiet excitement. I could rest at home away from my men, but the idea of remaining quietly in camp with an army about me and an active enemy at some mischief or other is a very different thing. 10.30 p.m. Nothing tonight from Washington, so that I am yet completely in the dark as to the intentions of our benign government. July 29th. What do you think I have been doing for the last half hour? "'Guess, guess. I have been sewing on buttons and patching my woolen shirts. "'I have waited in vain for Charles to do anything of the kind, or to have it done, "'and have been nearly scratched to pieces by the numberless pins that were necessary to keep myself together. "'So I dove into the pocket of my carpet bag, and to my intense delight, "'found a needle and a spool of sewing silk. "'Off came my shirt, and at it I went, "'Con amore.' I was so delighted with the result of that operation that I pulled out of my trunk a clean one that I had been casting sheep's eyes but found too ragged to wear. That I fixed up, and I am now as grand as any king with two shirts to my name that I can wear. My friend Charles has no idea the advantages of mending clothes, and as he has a very short memory, it is not of much use to tell him. So you see how the mighty are fallen the general of a hundred thousand men, sewing on buttons and mending his own clothes. It carried me back to the unhappy days of my miserable bachelorhood. Thank heaven that that epoch of my existence is past and gone. By the way, did I tell you of that gorgeous smoking cap that was sent to me the other day? I must take the first opportunity to send it home. It is entirely too magnificent for camp, and I fear too much so for me under any circumstances." Should I take a fancy to go to a fancy ball as the Doge of Venice or the King of Persia, it might make a first-rate headdress, but would hardly do for anything short of that. We might make a look at it a standing reward for the baby whenever she is particularly good. I have no doubt it would make her open her eyes. July 30th, 10.15 p.m. Another day elapsed, and nothing from Washington. I have positive information today that the command of this army was pressed upon Burnside and that he peremptorily refused it. I learn that Meggs is very anxious for it. Much good may it do him. I still think, from all that comes to me, that my chances are at least that I will be superseded. We are relieved today by a little excitement. The gunboats reported that six rebel gunboats, including Mr. Merrimack, number two, were on the way down so we were for some hours considerably brightened up by the prospect of seeing a shindy. But it turned out to be a false report. I see, among other lies, that the papers say that the enemy drove off 500 of our beef cattle the other day. A lie out of whole cloth. I am sorry to say that I learned that too much faith must not be rested in Halleck. I hope it is not so, but we will be very careful how far I trust him or any other man in these days. He has done me no good yet. July 31st. This morning I visited the General Hospital, not far from here, and went through it all, finding the patients comfortable and all improving in health. They are nearly all in hospital tents and are well provided for. In truth, they are about as well off as they could be away from home, and many of them doubtless better off than they would be there. I find the men more contented than the officers. I confess that the men enlist my sympathies much more warmly than the officers they are so patient and devoted. They have generally entered the service, too, from higher and more unselfish motives. Poor fellows. I can never willingly break the link that unites me to them, and I shall always be very proud of them and of their love for me, even if it is not decreed by Providence that I am to lead them to Richmond. After the long time that has elapsed without my hearing anything from Washington, I can hardly hope to learn anything by today's mail." but I assure you that we are all becoming very impatient at the long delay here, so unnecessary as it seems to us. I commenced turning over a new leaf today, that is, neither writing nor telegraphing the Washington, and have about determined to draw back into my shell until the oracle deigns to speak. I have said all I well can. I have told them about all I think and know, have pointed out to them what I regard as the general effects of the course I fear they are likely to adopt words can no further go. By saying more and repeating what has already been said, I should only render myself ridiculous and a bore. So I will be silent. And if they send me the order I dread, that of withdrawing this army, I will make one last desperate appeal and then let matters take their course, confident that I have honestly endeavored to do the best I could, although I may not have done as well as others could. There is a great consolation in feeling that one has tried to do right and not been actuated by selfish motives. Of the last I know that I am free, and would say so were I now on my deathbed. Don't feel at all discouraged. If I have to begin the world anew and work as hard as ever, it is doubtless all for the best. When I return to civil life, I shall have the consolation of knowing that I am working for you and the baby. I don't know what rest is, and probably never shall. But as long as God gives me health and strength and my mind remains clear, it is better that I should work. I am not so fond of it but that I should like to rest. But if that cannot be, I will do my best and try to do my duty ever. I have told you the result of the interview with Halleck. Thus far, practically nothing. Not a word have I heard from Washington since his return there. I shall not write or telegraph another word until I hear from them, unless something of great importance occurs. I shall stand on what is left of my dignity now. 1 a.m. As I was just about comfortably asleep about three-quarters of an hour ago, I was awakened by a tremendous shelling. The rascals opened on us with field guns from the other side of the river and kept up a tremendous fire. It is now pretty much over, but still going on. No shells have burst nearer than 300 or 400 yards from my camp. It took me about five minutes to awaken Marcy. He did not hear a single shot. Still some firing, now heavy again, gunboats at work. They were very slow in getting ready. A queer thing, this, writing a letter to my wife at this time of night to the music of shells. I fear they must have done some harm. Now they are quiet again. There goes a whopper from the gunboats. Queer times these. One thirty a.m. Pretty quiet now. Only an occasional shot, apparently from the gunboats. There goes one. Now Another. Marcy and I have just been discussing another people in Washington, and conclude that they are a mighty trifling set. Indeed, it is very criminal to leave me thus without one word of information as to their plans and purposes. If any lives have been lost tonight, the guilt, another shot, is on their shoulders, for I told them that I desired to occupy with Burnside's troops the very point whence this firing has come tonight. Another shot but I begin to believe that they wish this army to be destroyed. 245. Tired of waiting for Hammerstein's return with the news of the damage done. Well, he has just returned. It was so dark that no one could tell what the damage was. One man at Fitzporter's headquarters had his legs shot off. No vessel set on fire. The camp's all quiet. August 1st, midnight. Everything quiet since I went to bed last night. Not a shot fired. We had ten men killed, twelve wounded, half a dozen horses killed, vessels not hurt a bit. One shell did fall on my camp. Fitzporter caught the most of the storm, but had only one man killed. This afternoon I sent a party across the river to where most of the firing came from, to cut down some timber that obstructs the view and burn some houses that the enemy had been using as observatories and to screen their pickets. It was all done successfully, without opposition." It turned out, as I supposed, that the guns used were field guns, with which they ran away as soon as they found the gunboats and our own guns were getting troublesome. I had a very friendly letter from Halleck this morning. June 2nd. Circumstances have made it unavoidable for me to send out two important expeditions and a large working party, although it is Sunday. One of the expeditions goes to Malvern, the other on the south side of the James River, I had quite an interesting visit on the other side today. The place we burned up yesterday was a very handsome one. It was a rather hard case to be obliged to do it, but it could not be avoided. I had, as usual, not a single word from Washington today from anyone, nor anything from Burnside. If the latter is really under orders for the Rappahannock, there is something very strange in his failure to communicate with me, not even giving me the slightest hint of it. Therefore, I am disposed to discredit Commodore Wilkes' report and to think that he must be mistaken in regard to it. If he is ordered to the Rappahannock, I believe that this army will be withdrawn from here. When you contrast the policy I urge in my letter to the President with that of Congress and of Mr. Pope, you can readily agree with me that there can be little natural confidence between the government and myself. We are the antipodes of each other and it is more than probable that they will take the earliest opportunity to relieve me from command and get me out of sight. I shall endeavor to pursue the plain path of duty. As I have often told you, my mind is prepared to endure anything that a man of honor can. But I shall consult my own sense of right and my own judgment, not deferring to that of others when my own convictions are strong. There are some things to which I cannot submit, and to which nothing can induce me to yield. 7.30 7.30 a.m., August 3rd, same letter. One of my expeditions of last night failed. Had to come back because the guides lost the way. We'll try it again tonight or tomorrow. The other one not yet heard from, but has, I hope, met with better luck than the first. Everything quiet during the night. No firing and no stampede of any kind. Berkeley, August 4th, 6.30 p.m. I was off on the other side of the river all day yesterday where I had a hot and fatiguing tramp on foot, besides getting a little damp in the rain. Our enterprises on that side of the river were quite successful. I found a splendid position to cover that bank, so as to enable us to cross the army if necessary, as well as to prevent any more midnight serenades like that of last week. I now hold the other shore with a sufficient number of troops to prevent a surprise. Averill went out with three squadrons, met and thrashed an entire regiment, drove them to and through their camp, which he captured and leisurely destroyed, thus rendering the 13th Virginia Cavalry exceedingly uncomfortable last night, for all their tents, provisions, cooking utensils, and baggage were effectively burned up. He got some prisoners and sabred a respectable number, having only two wounded himself. The 5th Regular Cavalry and the 3rd Pennsylvania Cavalry did the work. 11.30 p.m. I had a note from Burnside this evening. He has been ordered to the Rappahannock and has, I presume, started. Not one word have I heard on that subject from Washington. Halleck has begun to show the cloven foot already. I have a large expedition out tonight, a couple of divisions of infantry and some 2,000 cavalry, to try to catch the secesh who are at Malvern Hill. Shall not hear from them before tomorrow noon. Colburn has gone with them. 7 a.m. Pretty sharp cannonading has been going on in my front this morning, Hooker's command at Malvern. They are still cracking away pretty sharply. Have not heard details, but will ride out in that direction. August 5th, Malvern Hill, 1 p.m., to General Marcy. Hooker has been entirely successful in driving off the enemy. Took about 100 prisoners, killed and wounded several. The mass escaped under cover of a thick fog. Hooker's dispositions were admirable, and nothing but the fog prevented complete success. We have lost three killed and eleven wounded, among the latter two officers. I shall retain the command here tonight. Keep all things ready to move out should we be attacked. I shall not return before dark and may remain all night. Will send in for my blankets and ambulance if I stay. I am now starting to look over the ground. I have sent a party to communicate with Avril directing him to take post tonight near Nelson's farm. We'll send in again as soon as I return from my ride. Excuse the illegibility of this, as it is written on horseback, and the flies trouble Dan. The enemy is in strong force at Newmarket. Better send a special dispatch to Halleck and tell him that I hate to give up this position. Secesh is cover, and though he is in strong force, I can beat him if they will give me reinforcements. Send this to Nell if I do not get back in time for mail. August 7th, 11 p.m. I have been so situated for the last two days that I could not write to you. Spent night before last at Malvern and had no means of writing. I came in from there yesterday and was up nearly all night giving orders and securing reports in regard to the abandonment of the position. Was not very well off at Malvern. My ambulance lost the road... Came near being bagged by the enemy, and did not make its appearance until late next day, so I had nothing. I got some coffee and some bread from one of the companies, used my saddle blanket and saddle for a bed, and got through the night without mishap. August 8th, Berkeley. I can't convey any idea of the heat today. It has been intense, not a breath of air stirring. Received some reports from Pleasanton that the enemy are pressing him hard near Malvern Hill and gave the necessary orders. I am in strong hopes that the enemy will be foolish enough to drive Pleasanton in and attack me in this position. I have ordered P to draw them on, if possible, and if they come in sight, will try to keep my men concealed and do my best to induce them to attack me. Should they be so foolish as to do that, I will surely beat them and follow them up to Richmond, but I fear they are too smart for that. I can hardly hope for so much good luck." If it is a possible thing to humbug them into an attack, I will do it. I will issue tomorrow an order giving my comments on Mr. John Pope. I will strike square in the teeth of all his infamous orders and give directly the reverse instructions to my army. Forbid all pillaging and stealing and take the highest Christian ground for the conduct of the war. Let the government gainsay it if they dare. I am willing to fall in such a cause. I will not permit this army to... Degenerate into a mob of thieves, nor will I return these men of mine to their families as a set of wicked and demoralized robbers. I will never have that sin on my conscience. I have received my orders from Halleck. I cannot tell you what they are, but if you will bear in mind what I have already written to you, you can readily guess them when I say that they are as bad as they can be, and that I regard them as almost fatal to our cause. I have remonstrated as warmly as I know how to do, but to no avail. My only hope is that I can induce the enemy to attack me. I shall, of course, obey the orders, unless the enemy give me a very good opening, which I should at once avail myself of. I have learned through private sources that they have not yet determined how to dispose of me personally. Their game is to force me to resign. Mine will be to force them to place me on leave of absence, so that when they begin to reap the whirlwind that they have sown, I may still be in position to do something to save my country. With all their faults, I do love my countrymen, and if I can save them, I will yet do so. I had another letter from Halleck tonight. I strongly suspect him. August blank. Shortly after that, a windstorm set in with great violence. It knocked over my desk and broke it. The desk fell on the table and broke one leaf off. It broke my monkey. Did you know I had a menagerie? Footnote. In the Gulf states, a monkey is the name given to a porous pottery jug or large bottle of water, which hangs by a cord and cools the water by evaporation. And footnote. Scattered my papers to the four corners of the tent and brought all the orderlies in with a terrific rush. Finally, they righted and gathered everything together so that I am now comfortable again, except damages and the flies. The gust has cooled the air, however, so we are gainers. No rain has fallen here, but the wind is from our dear old north, and is therefore doubly pleasant to me. The fact is, I don't like the south. It is entirely too hot to suit me, and I am sure I don't envy the possessors of it in the least. I wish you could see what a business I am doing, as I write, in the way of spearing flies. Every time, nearly, that I dip the pen in the inkstand, out comes a a defunct fly. I am so glad you visited that hospital. I thank you for it from the bottom of my heart. I know it did them infinite good, and I am sure that you will never meet one of the Army of the Potomac without a kind word and your brightest smile. August 10th, 8 a.m. Halleck is turning out just like the rest of the herd. The affair is rapidly developing itself, and I see more clearly every day their settled purpose to force me to resign. I am trying to keep my temper. I have no idea that I will be with this Army more than two or three weeks longer, and should not be surprised any day or hour to get my walking papers. 4 p.m. The absurdity of Halleck's course in ordering the army away from here is that it cannot possibly reach Washington in time to do any good, but will necessarily be too late. I am sorry to say that I am forced to the conclusion that H is very dull and very incompetent. Alas, poor country. I hope to be ready tomorrow afternoon to move forward in the direction of Richmond. I will try to catch or thrash Longstreet, and then, if the chance offers, follow into Richmond while they are lambing away at Pope. It is, in some respects, a desperate step, but it is the best I can do for the nation just now, and I would rather even be defeated than retreat without an effort to relieve Washington in the only way at all possible. If I fail, why, well and good, I will fall back. If I win, I shall have saved my country, and will then gracefully retire to private life. I am getting the sick away quite rapidly now, but they are in large numbers, and it is, at best, a slow process. The heavy baggage is all being stored on board ship, so that in whatever direction we move we will be comparatively unencumbered. I shall send off all that I have, except a carpet bag and a pair of blankets, change my large tent for a wall tent, and go about as light as any of them. I half apprehend that they will be too quick for me in Washington and relieve me before I have the chance of making the dash. If so, well and good. I am satisfied that the dolts in Washington are bent on my destruction if it is possible for them to accomplish it. Midnight. I received a very harsh and unjust telegram from Halleck this morning, and a very friendly private letter from the same individual. Blows hot and cold. I replied to his telegram, closing by quietly remarking, the present moment is probably not the proper one for me to refer to the unnecessarily harsh and unjust tone of your telegrams of late. It will, however, make no difference in my official action. Under the circumstances, I feel compelled to give up the idea of my intended attack upon Richmond and must retrace my steps. Halleck writes that all the forces in Virginia, including Pope, Burnside, etc., are to be placed under my command. I doubt it. They are committing a fatal error in withdrawing me from here, and the future will show it. I think the result of their machination will be that Pope will be badly thrashed within ten days, and that they will be very glad to turn over the redemption of their affairs to me. August 11th. I am free to chat with you for a few minutes, at least until the impetuous hatter runs in and asks the general to be good enough to come to breakfast. Our breakfasts are not very splendid or tempting just now probably a little ham or beefsteak, coffee, bread, and butter, never any ice for breakfast, that is very seldom, if ever, and hot as blazes. In this climate, one needs cool and light food, fruit, etc., but we don't get much of that sort of thing. have been hard at work all day and expect to keep at it until I get this army away from Fortress Monroe, unless my head is chopped off in the meantime, a circumstance I am in daily expectation of occurring and can't say that I much dread. I presume Pope is having his hands quite full today, is probably being hard-pressed by Jackson. I cannot help him in time, as I have not the means of transportation, but I foresee that the government will try to throw upon me the blame of their own delays and blunders. So be it. I have learned to endure and shall continue to as long as the good of the country requires that I do so, but not one moment longer than that. P.M., you see that Halleck has done otherwise than to reinforce me, quite the reverse. Burnside is at Aquia. I strongly suspect that one reason for their not imparting their plans to me is that they have very few to impart. They are drifting, not steering the poor ship of state, and I fear they will be wrecked ere long. If they do read our letters in Washington, they must feel one ear tingle occasionally. You need not dread any engagement at present. The powers won't let me go after the enemy, and I am quite sure that they won't be kind enough to come after me. It is scarcely possible that we can have anything more than a mere affair of rear guards. I don't think now that will occur, so make your mind quite easy. Cherrystone Inlet, August 14th, 2 a.m. Left camp yesterday morning at 7 o'clock in a gunboat to go to the telegraph station at Jamestown Island, so that I could talk with Halleck with less loss of time. On arriving there, I found that the wires were not working through and went straight on to Fortress Monroe, arriving there about 8.30 p.m. There I ascertained that the cable to this place was broken, so I took a steamer and came over here, arriving at 11 p.m. Halleck came to the Washington office about one and a half or two hours ago. I have sent him several telegrams, and his first reply is just arriving in cipher. I presume I am in for sitting up all night. The steamers about two miles from here came that distance in a rowboat. This is an abandoned secession city, consisting of one house in the wilderness, so I am not likely to be disturbed. Porter, Ingalls, Colburn, and Key are with me. They are all sound asleep, so I have no one to distract my attention. I must confess, however, that as I went to bed very late last night and have had no sleep since the morning, I am rather sleepy myself but I can't just now indulge in the luxury. 3.30 a.m. We have just got back to the steamer, and I am getting underway to return to Fort Monroe, where I go direct to camp in a fast boat. My communication with Halleck was unsatisfactory in the extreme. He did not even behave with common politeness. He is a bien-mauvais sujet. He is not a gentleman. I am writing by a dim light and confess that I am very tired and very much disgusted. I fear that I am very mad, and think I have a perfect right to be so. Every day convinces me more and more that it is the intention of Halleck and the government to drive me off, and I begin to feel that I cannot preserve my self-respect and remain in the service much longer. I think the crisis will soon arrive. Berkeley, August 14th, returned about noon. On my way down, I stopped at the site of the old settlement of Jamestown. There is nothing left of it but the brick tower of the church and the churchyard the oldest tombstone I could decipher was of 1698. I saw one of a poor young wife, only 16 years and 11 months. I plucked a couple of poor little flowers from the site of the church and enclosed them in this, only to show you that you are sometimes in my thoughts. Porter's Corps starts this evening, Franklin in the morning, the remaining three tomorrow, and the next day. Headquarters will remain here until nearly the last. We are going, not to Richmond, But the Fort Monroe, I am ashamed to say. It is a terrible blow to me, but I have done all that could be done to prevent it, without success, so I must submit as best I can and carry it out. I shall, of course, conduct the march to Fortress Monroe and attend to the embarkation thence. My mind is pretty much made up to try hard to break off at that point. August 17th, 3 p.m. Barrett's Ferry, Chickahominy. I have the greater part of the army now over, and if we are not disturbed for six hours more, all will be well. I have abandoned neither men nor materiel, and the retreat has been conducted in the most orderly manner, and is a perfect success, so far as so disgusting an operation can be. I learned that all the troops in Virginia are to be placed under my command. Burnside came down to assure me from Halleck that he, H, is really my friend. Kiswah. I hope to get everything over tonight, and will be at my old headquarters at Williamsburg tomorrow evening, next day at Yorktown. If all is then quiet, I will go thence by water to Fortress Monroe and complete the arrangements for embarking. I took a savage satisfaction in being the last to leave my camp at Berkeley yesterday, August 18th p.m., Williamsburg. Am pretty well tired out, for I have been much in the saddle lately, besides having slept very little. I crossed the Chickahominy yesterday and remained there today until all the troops had crossed and moved several miles in advance. When I left, the bridge was taken up and nothing but a few worthless stragglers left behind. They will all be brought over tonight, I think, so far as they are concerned individually. I would much prefer that Secesh should capture them all. I have made a remarkably successful retreat, left absolutely nothing behind. Secesh can't find one dollar's worth of property if he hunts a year for it. I have not seen the enemy since we started. I rather doubt whether he knows where we are now. It will take a long time to embark this army and have it ready for action on the banks of the Potomac. The men all know that I am not responsible. I have remained constantly with the rear guard, was the very last one to leave our camp at Berkeley, remained on the Chickahominy until the bridge was removed, and still have the proud satisfaction of hearing the cheers of the men as I pass, seeing their faces brighten up. Strange as it may seem, they have not, I think, lost one particle of confidence in me, and love me just as much as ever. Pleasanton has done splendidly. I placed him in command of the rear guard of the main column, and nothing could have been better than his performance. He is really a fine officer, cool, collected, and intelligent. I have felt every moment that I was conducting a false movement, and which was altogether against my own judgment and that of the army. I have done it without demoralizing the army. Fortress Monroe, August 20th, a.m., arrived here yesterday afternoon. The retreat is successfully accomplished, and the troops have commenced embarking. A good many have left already. August 21st, 4 p.m., Fort Monroe. have just returned from an examination of this fort and the rip The whole of Porter's Corps got off last night. Heinselman from Yorktown today. Franklin commences to embark here and at Newport News tomorrow. Sumner will reach here tomorrow and commence embarking as soon as transports are ready, probably in a couple of days. I do not know what they intend doing with me. I still think they will place me on the shelf or do something disagreeable to get me out of the way. I shall be glad of anything that severs my connection with such a set. I have had nothing from Washington today, as they do not see fit to give me any information either as to their intentions or their situation, I shall ask no more questions, nor will I make any more suggestions. They may go to the deuce in their own way, and I think are moving in that direction with sufficient rapidity to gratify success exceedingly. Met with a terrible misfortune today. In entering the ambulance, I tore the last uniform coat I had, except that one an inch thick, which I cannot well wear in this hot weather. So I am in citizen's dress. I shall be in a terrible predicament for citizen's clothes when I come home, and will have to remain Purdue in the daytime until I get some clothes to wear, for it will not do for me to appear in uniform. 8 p.m. Just received a telegram from Halleck stating that Pope and Burnside are very hard-pressed, urging me to push forward reinforcements and to come myself as soon as I possibly can. I am going to the fortress now to hurry on my arrangements. Shall put headquarters on board a vessel tomorrow morning, and probably go myself in a fast boat tomorrow afternoon. Now they are in trouble, they seem to want the Quaker, the procrastinator, the coward, and the traitor. Bien, my ambulance is ready, and I must go. August 22nd, 10 a.m. I did not get back from the fort until sometime after midnight, and too tired to write. I shall go to the fort pretty soon, and as soon as the tents are dry, move everything on board the vessels, so that I shall be ready to start at a moment's notice. I have two corps off and away. I think they are all pretty well scared in Washington, and probably with good reason. I am confident that the disposition to be made of me will depend entirely on the state of their nerves in Washington. If they feel safe there, I will no doubt be shelved, perhaps placed in command here, vice General Dix. I don't care what they do. Would not object to being kept here for a while, because I could soon get things in such condition that I could have you here with me. Their sending for me to go to Washington only indicates a temporary alarm. If they are at all reassured, you will see that they will soon get rid of me. I shall be only too happy to get back to quiet life again, for I am truly and heartily sick of the troubles I have had, and am not fond of being a target for the abuse and slander of all the rascals in the country. Well, we will continue to trust in God and feel certain that all is for the best. It is often difficult to understand the ways of providence, but I have faith enough to believe that nothing is done without some great purpose. August 23rd, 9.30 p.m., Steamer, City of Hudson. I am off at last and on the way to Aquia. We are pounding along up the Potomac now, and as the boat is a fast one, are passing everything we find. We will reach Acquia sometime after midnight. Early in the morning, I will telegraph to Halleck, informing him of my arrival and asking for orders. I have no idea what they will be, nor do I know what has been happening on the Rappahannock yesterday and today. I take it for granted that my orders will be as disagreeable as it is possible to make them, unless Pope is beaten, in which case they will want me to save Washington again. Nothing but their fears will induce them to give me any command of importance or to treat me otherwise than with discourtesy. End of chapter 27